All right, once again, real quick, uh, we are now we're going to go into uh, uh, when evil lurks. We will go spoiler free recommendations and scores and then into spoilers, time codes still, all the time codes because I love putting time codes for you guys in the descriptions to allow you to still jump around. You can still jump around in this movie too. That's not just exclusive to Five Nights at Freddy's. Both movies are jumpable. And with all that, Heather, what are your spoiler-free thoughts about when evil lurks? Yeah, this was a this was a movie. Um, <laughs> it this was also one of those that I mean I heard so much about it from just seeing stuff on social media about it's the craziest thing you're going to see. It's the best horror movie of the year. Just all these things that it was saying about this movie. And I mean, and I guess, I don't know, maybe I do think it was a little bit overhyped. I don't think it was, you know, the best horror movie of the year or anything like that. I do think it was unique and I think it was interesting. And I think that, the way that they told the story, even from the beginning of this movie, it kind of drew me in right away because they just kind of start full force into this world of what's going on here. And there are some things about, I guess, what you might call the lore of this world that they live in that I appreciated how they did it. I think that the acting in this is really good. And I think that there's not a whole lot of things I could say I saw coming necessarily with this movie. Um, so yeah, I, I think it definitely kind of kept me more surprised, kept me a little bit more on my toes. I think, um, I think there was a lot of tension and a lot of tension buildup, but I do think I would say I kind of wish that maybe they would have built it up to something with a little bit more of like a satisfying like ending or maybe more satisfying conclusion to the story that was being told. Um, not that I hated how it ends, but just some of the stuff in between. I don't know. I just feel like they were very vague about some of the things that happened. And if they were a little bit more clear or kind of spent a little bit more time on some of those things, I think that would have been nice. But overall, it was it was pretty decent. I mean, I... I I can't say that, you know, I, I don't know. I, I can't say that there was anything specifically that I'm like, this was stupid. This was wrong. This was dumb. I think it was uh, inter- interesting. And I think that it knew exactly how it wanted to craft the story. Even if I don't necessarily like all of the choices they made, they feel like they had more of a direction that they specifically knew they were trying to take with this movie, as opposed to Five Nights at Freddy's, <laughs> where you feel like, they were just kind of trying some things, but this movie felt like it had more of a, at least a direction in certain things that they wanted to tell you about the story. I think the storytelling of this one is much better. Um, I think that just the way that they portray demonic possession and things like that in this is interesting and different, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I do think it was a little bit slow paced and I think that it was a little bit more, 
again, seems like a running theme of a problem lately of uh, it kind of felt one note a little bit for a lot of it as well. But um, the story was a lot more gripping and the story aspect of it made this movie as good as it is, I think. So, yeah. Justin, what about you? Yeah, so it's funny because, like, when even when you, like, look at the scores of this, it's a stark contrast to Five Nights at Freddy's. Almost the complete opposite thing where the critics didn't like Freddy's, but the fans loved Freddy's. And then you go to this, and... I mean, it's got a 99. That is so freaking high. Like, that, that is hard to get. Like, it's got a 99 certified fresh tomato meter and then a 57% audience score. So it's like the fans are not liking this. And I think I understand maybe why fans aren't having as good of a reception of it. And, and I think it does have something uh, to do with what you said, Heather, um, as far as how this movie ends. And I just think that sometimes going that direction where it's not as, you know, you had one movie that was purely there to try to be fan pleasing to people who play the games and that kind of stuff like that. And it was just a hundred percent trying to be fan pleasing. This though felt like something where it was trying to be more like it was, it, it was more or less trying to give you something unique. It was trying to give you something different, trying to give you like a, a different piece of art and seeing how you're able to take this. And I appreciate this movie for that. So for me, like, I really enjoyed this. I thought that it was pretty, I thought that it was kind of unique. I like the sort of demon possession zombie kind of horror thriller that it was. I think it made some unique choices just as far as, especially like how the movie starts. I loved how this movie started. I think it might be one of the best starts to a film I've seen in a long time. I absolutely loved how it started because it didn't do the cliche things like the movie we watched before does a cliche horror start, you know, you know, ah, we get that one victim and they're somewhere and they die. Love that this made a different choice. I love the choice that this made. I thought this movie had a lot of tension because of the unpredictability of it, kind of what Heather was talking about. I didn't know, you didn't really know what was going to happen or how things were going to turn out and stuff like that. So there were a lot of scenes that just kind of surprised me. I wouldn't say nothing shocked me like, oh man, this is, you know, this is as shocking as when Jigsaw got up off the floor in the first saw. There's nothing that crazy, but it definitely was unpredictable in a lot of ways just because of how the possession is done and, and how they, and I keep going back to the whole zombie thing because 
I think that's an element of it too, is the realization that someone is one of these things and, or, or something can be one of these things. So I think that that was cool. It too had sort of a mystery in it. You know, you're trying to figure out the ins and outs of this thing, but I like that. But, but, but this, and this is why narrative focus is so important. Like we lacked it in the other movie, but we definitely had it here because we are trying to, we are in the same seat as the characters. And that made this infinitely more fun to watch because we're trying to figure it out as they're trying to figure it out. You know, they lo- they know a little more than us, but they don't know everything either. So I liked where the audience was positioned versus where the characters were positioned. I think it made for a fun ride in this. Um, and even though I would say the ending is unconventional in a way into that, it's not a crowd pleasing ending. I kind of appreciated the, I guess for lack of a better term, the balls to kind of just end it differently than what you see all the time, just end it differently than the run of the mill kind of thing that you see all the time. So I sort of uh, uh, appreciated the, the 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 ending in that way. I think I appreciated more about it and everything like that. And then what starts is kind of this little question. I think we answer that question by the end. And even though it wasn't this, oh look, this is just a super plot twist moment. I still like what it did. It was a very subtle answer to a little, what you thought was a little question, but it really does bring sense to this whole thing and kind of understanding where things started and where things sort of spiraled out of control. So even though it wasn't the greatest thing, it, I think it brought it, 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 that little answer kind of completed the circle and you're like, Oh, okay. So that's how this started. You know, that's what happened. That's what we heard at the beginning. And that's what led to everything happening. So I liked all of that. I liked how we kind of got some full circle stuff uh, at the end. And then the last thing I'll say is, yeah, I'll I'll go through the actors as we uh, talk about it in spoilers, but man, I thought the acting was excellent in this. I don't know any of these people, but man, they killed it, especially our main characters. Like every emotion that it needed, I thought came off well. Every time um, we needed something from a certain character or a character was learning something or discovering something or just feeling like they were in absolute despair. I think all of those emotions came off. The anger came off. And I thought that it was very like all of the performances that that, that they just felt like these people really put some heart into what they were doing. And I felt that it was palpable as I was watching them on screen. So, yeah, I do think that if I'm looking at the lineup of horror movies we've got that got got this year, I mean, to me, it's for me, it's talk to me and it's this. I just feel like these are probably the two, and then maybe followed closely by Evil Dead Rise. 
You know, I think maybe those are the three maybe best we got this year, but I do definitely think this is one of them. I do think that this is that good. And I think it's kind it's unique and in its own way. And I just really appreciate it. The, the, the attempt to just not please the crowd in such an, a conventional way that we see just seems like all the time these days, it was very different for me. And I think, Especially if you're looking for different, this is the one. This is definitely the one. I'm a little bit between you guys. I didn't really have an issue with the ending. Like, I'm kind of fine with that dire, bleak, anticlimactic ending because I like the idea of, in a horror movie at least, especially. The idea of hope being lost, kind of dig that without going into the specifics of that. I dig that in a horror movie. I think in horror movies, the idea that there's no happy ending, and I'm not saying, Heather, that you're asking for a happy ending. I'm just saying the bleakness of an ending, I get that can be off-putting. You know, just that, because those can't be anticlimactic. You can have all this stuff going on and it's like the final battle, even if it's like just a fight between two people. It's it's the culmination. And then it just, it's over. And the evil's there. The You know what I mean? That can be anticlimactic. And to me, like I said, I kind of dig that because it's that all hope is lost. Just, it was the culmination of everything you tried to do and you failed. And now it's over. It's done. And you lost. I kind of dig that. Uh, where I have issues with this movie is because of the chances it took, it did a, a, a zombie disease aspect to demonic possession. Really cool idea. Really dug that they kind of played fast and loose with their rules of what was what though. You know, I like the fact that they kind of just threw us in this world. Like Justin was saying, uh, they threw us in this world and, and, and the people there kind of had a step above us in the, in general concept of demonic possession being like this. That was not new to this world. They knew that was a thing, but these people, like it was their first time directly dealing with it. So there was that newness they had to it. And that allowed the audience to kind of be new to it also. Like you were saying, Justin, it it tied us to it. Even though the concept wasn't new for them, the experience was new. So dug that. That's a really underrated aspect of world building that too too few people do. And even less people do well. They did that very well. But as they went... There's like people that are just influenced by the demon and they're just slightly corrupted and this, and like they get kind of loose with it as it goes. It, it doesn't keep that cohesion throughout the movie. And that kind of breaks my immersion with it. You know, when they're like, oh, this person's acting fully like they're possessed and they're like, they're not possessed because the, this other person, this didn't happen yet. So they're not possessed. It's just this. And you're like, 
But you also said that about the other guy. And this guy's acting different than that guy. So how, you know what I mean? It's not the same. So that kind of was immersion breaking for me with it. And those inconsistencies, like we've talked about several times, weirdly enough, a lot with possession movies. If anything is said about the Cinema Slayers podcast in the year 2023, it is the year of us doing a weird amount of possession movies. This is the fourth fucking one we've talked about. Fifth, if you also include Talk to Me in a loose way. We've talked about so many possession movies this year. We even started our possession talk by taking one from last year that we just missed because we had to fill something. And when it comes to all of that, I like the uniqueness of it. But there were some issues. Like I said, it kind of broke me a little bit when it came to some of those inconsistencies to the rules that they had like established 10 minutes earlier. And then they're changing the rule again. And it just, and I understand some of it could be the naivety of the people because like I said, they were new to it, but it's still visually and narratively speaking, you never really felt that they completely had a full grasp of what they were doing with it. That they would change some of it when it was convenient for them. Now, they didn't do it as much as Freddy's. They didn't do it as much as the Exorcist Believer. They didn't do it as much as The Nun 2. They didn't do it as much as so many of these other movies. They did it enough to taint my enjoyment of this movie a little bit. And so then I'm partially also wondering, is this a great possession movie? And does everybody love this movie? Just because recently speaking, every other possession movie we've gotten for the most part is just garbage. Is it just the fact that we got a semi-competent fucking possession movie? Is that why everybody's like, oh, no, it's fucking great. Because comparatively and recently speaking, I kind of thought that nobody knew how to do a possession movie anymore. Like, for the most part, I thought, I was like, well, that's a lost art. No one can fucking do that anymore. And someone just kind of does a good job. And you're like, oh, shit. It's revolutionary. I wonder if there is some of that with that. And also, I where I thought, Justin, you were going when you were talking about the fan response to this movie, I kind of thought that you were going to talk about because it's a foreign film. Because that wouldn't have surprised me either. That people were like, uh, it's foreign. I have to read and be scared at the same time. Fuck this movie. Like, yeah, I imagine that's some of it too. I legit I imagine when you started saying that, I thought that's what you were going to say. Cause that was my first thought. I mean, my, my biggest knock about this movie outside of what I said, of the narrative inconsistencies would be, it's not the most rewatchable movie. And that's sometimes the fun of a horror movie is the rewatchability of it. The every, you know, October sitting down for spooky season, watching your favorite scary movies. Even if this one's good, I don't see this being a one that, you know, people pick off the shelves to watch again. And that's when, so it's this weird thing of this is a better movie than Pope's exorcist. I'm probably going to watch Pope's Exorcist again, though, before I watch this. Just in that regard of 
of the theme and the way our culture especially consumes quote-unquote spooky material. But I still did like it. I just don't know if I loved it. But once again, it kind of goes back to a somewhat running theme recently. That could be more on my sterling sensibilities than it is necessarily completely a defining characteristic of the movie. And unfortunately, because I am sterling, it is at times hard for me to separate my sterling sensibilities that I have during a movie and then my overall opinions of the movie. Because I do think that that's something that we always have to take into account. And that's why I think it's fun to listen to so many different people give their opinions on a movie is because you have to just find the people that you connect with and how they see movies. When you like, when you're trying to parse out whether or not you want to listen to somebody's review of a movie. Like I understand for the most part, that while there is some overlap between like the movies that Justin and I like, and there are overlap between the movies that Heather and I like, we tend to like them for different reasons. And so when you're listening to this podcast, you know, somebody might side with Justin more than they side with me with the things that he enjoys in movies or doesn't enjoy in movies, you know, and those vice versas. So I want to keep my sterling sensibilities in this when I give my overall score in the end, just in case there's another person out there, maybe there's like a little Sterlingette just sitting out there and, and she doesn't know, like, you know, she watches this movie and she feels like she's alone with some of this, but she listens to our podcast and she goes, I, I understand you Sterling. So I'm saying all that to preface when I end up giving my score later, it may be lower than what, it should be or what it might sound like it should be, but I don't necessarily say my, I won't necessarily be saying my score in a negative way. If that makes any sense in my head, it makes completely sense or it makes complete sense. Not completely sense. I am a babbling brook of nonsense right now because I watched five nights at Freddy's after I watched this and that we already talked about Five Nights and Freddy, and I haven't been able to correct the just verbal tsunami of nonsensical bullshit that is still plaguing my brain. I'm trying to get it together for you guys. I think I made sense, and at the same time, I didn't. Recommendations and scores before I just continue on into chaos? Yeah. Yes. Did anybody understand what the fuck I was saying? Because I yes. don't think I do anymore. I think I understand what you mean. Yeah, I think I got it. Okay, good. I'm glad. I am teetering on the edge of delirium. Recommendations and score. Justin, go. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to recommend it. And it's interesting that you said that you think something like the Pope's exorcist is more rewatchable than this, man, not to me. 
<laughs> I, I, I would totally watch this Justin. before I watch that. But Justin, um, there is no greater cinematic experience than watching <laughs> Russell Crowe on a Vespa. I don't even mean the whole movie. I just Got mean, you. I want to see him on a Vespa saying, ciao. Got you. But there may be a little Justin out there that just likes, you know, to your point, maybe there's a little Justin out there that just likes, you know, you want to see some different stuff, man. You know, yes, movies are art. And yes, we all have kind of our things that we gravitate to and stuff like that. But man, I really appreciate when somebody makes the effort to be different, especially after watching something that really just feels like there was really just no effort to do that. It feels it, it feels refreshing to watch something where it felt like some chances were taken. They tried to give you a roller coaster ride. They tried to like get get you to feel what these characters were feeling. And they tried to give you a journey that's just kind of different from what you saw all year. And man, I appreciate those movies. You know, I just, I'm not, you know, if you're the like the little Jastin who goes into something like that and goes, man, I just love that they really, it really felt like they really tried. You know, I'm I'm not typically a person who is like, I got to have it the same way all the time. I'm very much a person who is like, what can you show me that I haven't already seen? You know, uh, if I want something I've already seen, I'll go watch the other 10 billion possession zombie horror movies that all do the same things yeah. and end the Especially same way. Especially with horror movies. It's like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you just see so much of the same stuff all the time. And maybe that's where I'm coming from. So when I get something like this, that's like unique and it intrigued me and it started a different way and it ended a different way. I'm like, oh man, I just want everybody to see that, but, and appreciate it. But kind of to Sterling's point, not everybody is me. Not everybody's going to appreciate it the, the, the way that I do. And maybe you won't give it the points that I would give it. Um, be because there could be these things just like Sterling is talking about that just bother you and you can't get past them. So it's not that great to you. Me. I think if you're a horror fan, I think you would like this. It's got some of those gory parts. It's got that foreboding feeling of, Oh, something bad could happen at any moment. It's got all of that. It's got that mystery element. I never felt that it was slow. I, I I never felt like I always felt like we were in danger or trying to get away from something. It kind of felt like this. Half of the movie is a chase. And then the other half is we're being chased. It was, it was like at first we were chasing something. Then we realized we are being chased. And so then we got to like, get away from the thing. And I think that that's one of the things I loved about the movie is we were trying to solve, go to the problem and solve it. But then we're now we're trying to get away from the problem. I loved that tonal shift. It wasn't like in the other movie where it was like, I didn't know where we were half the time because we were doing so many things. 
I love how this started one way. And then it was like, once it got you to realize, nope, we're going this way now. I was like, hell yeah. You know, you know, it's like that roller coaster ride. You're going up, you're going up, you're going up, you're going up. And finally you reach a point. And then we get that big dip and we're going up and down and up and down. And that's how I felt this movie was. Uh, so yeah, I recommend it, man. Like if you're looking for something different, if you're looking for something that's a little more unique and just to me, just a better crafted film than a lot of the other films, especially in this genre that you're going to get the, you know, to me, this is like grown man shit. This is like, man, this was crafted. Well, it was acted well. It was just done with an expertise that I know is different. I know it can feel is different from a lot of some of the other stuff that we've seen. So I would totally recommend it. If you're that person, if you're looking for some meat and potatoes in your horror, this is it right here. You know, um, can't eat candy all the time. Uh, with, with that being said, we're going to go, We'll go with, uh, let's go with 90, um, green, (laughs) 90 green streams of saliva mucus, something (laughs) coming out of your nose out of a hundred. Heather, what about you? Yeah, and also just to kind of clarify a couple of things, I didn't dislike the ending. I think it might be more one of those where coming off of the just what just happened in the scene right before type of thing where you're like, what what is this? And then the ending they give you, it's almost like, I don't know, for me, I just I didn't get to sit with it enough in, in a way of like how I expected it was going to end, but not, I don't think it was a bad ending. It was just the events leading up to what ended up being the ending. I just feel like maybe if I had a little bit more of something in the middle of the two things, I think I just would have like appreciated that a little bit more. But, um, and, and I also, and I don't think the movie was slow. I think it had like one pacing throughout, but I don't think it felt slow. I just feel like they didn't have a lot of here's this and oh it's going up and then oh it's going back down like they had a lot of tension throughout but it was consistent tension and so it it didn't feel slow because of that but I feel like it was one note across but not that it was slow if that makes sense so I just wanted to clarify that but um either way like yeah I do I do recommend it I think it is unique enough that it's worth a watch, especially if you are a horror movie fan. It's it's something it's not going to be like anything else you've really seen before to this extent. So I think it's definitely worth it for that. I agree. I think the acting is really good in this. And I just the way that they were telling the story in general, I think, was really well done. Um, I don't know. I feel like I don't know. I There's. If I'm being completely honest, there one one aspect of this movie that I'm still not completely sure how to feel about is sort of a take that they do on a character who has like neurodivergent disorder of some sort. And I feel like that I'm a little iffy on how I feel like they handled that piece of it. 
So I don't know. I'm conflicted by that. But otherwise, I mean, again, I think that the the acting is really well done. And I do I I like that the lore of this is that sort of what Sterling said is they're already aware of this being a thing in their world. Like possession is a thing, right? And they even have like a name for these people, which is it's it's cool because you're already kind of being dropped into the middle of this world, right? It's not like we're spending this time convincing you that this is a thing that's real in the world. Everybody in a way has sort of accepted that it's a thing. They just haven't really ever had to deal with it head on. And so we're seeing a situation in this movie where they are dealing with it head on first. Right. And, and so I think that's why in that first scene, like you talked about, Justin, it really kind of draws you in pretty much right away. Because you just feel like you've just been dropped in the middle of these people's day to day of what goes on in their world, like in their lives. And then they're first experiencing this situation. And so we feel like we're first experiencing it with them. So I do think that they did that really well. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just they they did. They did a lot of yeah unpredictable things because you're you're not sure where they're going to end up for one. And I mean, I had so many guesses as to who was and wasn't going to survive and what was going to happen to certain characters and stuff. And I was wrong on most of them, honestly. <laughs> so, you know, I just and, and that's good, though. I think that's kind of also a thing that keeps you interested in this movie because you're like, it's going to go this way or it's going to go this way. And then you're like, oh, no, it didn't go either way. It went this way. OK. <laughs> and so it just it does keep you interested in that regard. So, yeah, I think it was mostly well done. I just feel like there, um, I don't know, it, it was, nothing was, and I think also because of the whole, the hype of this, where it's just like, oh, you're going to be so disturbed by the things that you're seeing kind of thing is what I heard about this. And I'm not really that great with like gore and things like that anyway. And so I was, of course, disturbed by it, but I don't really think that it was on the level of disturbing that it was built up to be from what I heard. So, you know what I mean? So I feel like it's not, it's not quite as like gore violence as I expected it was going to be. Like I thought I was going to see some just absolutely absurdly crazy things I'd never seen before based on the things of how they hyped this movie. And it was definitely disturbing stuff, but it was on par with other things that I have seen like it. So I guess in that way, it it wasn't as bad in that realm than as I expected it to be, which is probably good because I wouldn't have really been able to handle it if it was. So, but yeah, I think overall it is, it's a pretty solid film. Um, I agree with Sterling that I don't really know how much I would rewatch this more just because of the subject matter and like the kind of with this kind of gore and stuff like that. I just kind of leave it like, and the way that this ends, you know, it's a little bleak, like you said, so I don't necessarily want that to be the horror movie that I see all the time, but I do definitely think it is worth a watch and that it's, it's a great, like, yeah, I guess the storytelling that you want in a horror movie, this is the kind, like, this is the level of, of good in storytelling that you would want for a horror movie, if that makes sense. So I like how they gave you a full story and it wasn't just throwing things together just to fill the time 
and just to say, I want to show you these terrible things in a movie. Like there was a backstory, there was a lore, there was something that you could follow as to why the things they were doing made sense. So I appreciated that. So yeah, I do think it's worth a watch. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm not on high as high on it as you are, Justin, but um, yeah, it's, it's solid enough. So I'm going to give it, um, I'll probably give it like a 70 axes to the face by your own hands somehow <laughs> out of a hundred. I like a lot of what you said, Justin. I do like that this movie took the chances. I liked that this movie wanted to do something differently. I liked that this movie legitimately tried and for the most part succeeded at making a mark and making something new and different. Because I think that that is probably the single worst thing about the genre of horror is that it tries too much to, or it often is just more of the same. You know, we just did the Saw franchise and, you know, for all that it was, it was also a bunch of the same constantly, you know, and sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't, but in the end, it's just a bunch of death machines. We talked or we didn't talk, but you know, back when we did written reviews, we did, uh, or I did a controversial one about this movie circus of the dead. And one of my big problems with it was, and I think that it got lost in the outrage of everything else was that it doesn't do anything new. It just does a bunch of the shit that other movies have done just to shock people and act like it's groundbreaking or act like it's fresh and act like it's, it's advancing the genre because I think the most stagnant genre we have in movies is horror. I mean, how many just monster movies like, Oh, you know, they've done 97,000 billion monster sharks, you know, like, you know, or monster bugs and monsters, this and possession that it's stagnant for the most part. And that's why movies like this, while I have issues with it overall, I still do view as a positive though. Like I said, my score is going to sound a little low, but that is going to be with the tinge of, my sterling hiccups because they are in this movie. And that is the risk that you take when you are creating and innovating something to a degree in which we haven't seen before. When you're taking it to a different level and doing new stuff, unfortunately you're the one that is going to have to deal with the hiccups too. You know, you have, you know, you're the one that is taking all the risk, and that is the risk of this. That it's a great idea, and for the most part, it's solid execution. It's just got some gaps in it that really just poked at me and poked at how I view things. 
in the movie. And I also do kind of agree with you, Heather. I was not a complete fan of how they wanted to portray somebody neurodivergent when it comes to a kid having autism. Now, I will say this. They added a a, a tweak to it that I kind of liked within the context of, say, a demonic possession. This isn't really a spoiler, but they were just talking about like people that are neurodivergent. When a demon tries to possess them, it sometimes gets fucked up because the the person's brain, since it doesn't operate the same way as a normal person's, the demon can, for like a lack of a better word, get lost and not be able to successfully possess or then even leave that person because they kind of get trapped in the same worldview that that person has. And for a lot of people, if you're not neurodivergent, it's hard to understand specifically what the world is like to people that are neurodivergent. You know, uh, as much as this is like an insanely millennial thing to say, I have ADHD. The biggest thing I have when it comes to my ADHD is time blindness. I am horrible with time blindness. I can get sucked into things for hours and hours on end and not realize that time is even passing. Uh, You know, I have things like that. I have things, if I have multiple things lined up, you know, and I have one that has a concrete time frame, like, Say I have to be somewhere at one o'clock, but before I go and do that one o'clock thing and say it's like 9 a.m. And I just have one thing I got to do before that one o'clock thing. I might get hyper-focused on the one o'clock and in my head mentally go to do that one o'clock thing at the time frame in which I would need to go to do that. But I still have the other thing to do so that I end up running behind late to everything, you know. And it's sometimes very hard to explain what that's like because, you know, a lot of people, it's like, oh, just get a watch. Oh, just set an alarm. Do this. It's not quite how it works. You know, those aren't solutions. I've tried that. It doesn't always work, you know. So I I liked that that twist they put on it. And I liked that they added more to the story of it instead of just being like, oh, he's autistic. That's his character. They did develop it a little more. You know, they didn't make it. He's autistic because of a demon, which is right. A, a, one of the worst things they do in these movies. Um, I liked that. They kind of twisted it and made like, Hey, demons get fucked up when they try to possess somebody that's autistic. So I dug that a little bit. Um, I just wish they were more consistent with the rules or at least more clear with it or something like that. Cause I, I would have appreciated more if they were consistent in the portrayals of these things whilst inaccurate with how the humans or the characters perceived it. I would have actually enjoyed that because it would add to what we talked about earlier that it's new 
to the character's experiences dealing with it. So that would make sense why they're confused. Instead, but the portrayals would have been accurate. That's where they kind of failed me is the portrayals of what they were saying it was didn't actually quite line up all the time. And I, that kind of bugged me. Because at a certain point there, they are more or less saying these people are possessed, but they're also specifically saying they're not possessed. And I'm like, you can't have both. They can't be possessed and not possessed at the same time. You need to be more clear. And they weren't. I'm going to give this movie. I've got a cat meowing upstairs and it's also mentally fucking me right now. 72. I bumped it up a little bit. I'm going to give this a 72. Weird demon telescopes. Out of a hundred. So with that. Our uh, official Cine score for this is a 77. Spoilers? Yeah. Yep. Spoilers. I want you to start this, Justin. I want to hear more of, of what you have to say about this. Very curious. Okay, cool. Because I feel so, like I'm just going to go straight to the end. If if it's up to me, I'm just going to go straight to talking about the end of the movie. We can wait a little bit. So I, I want to hear your thoughts, your spoilery thoughts. Cool, cool. So like when I was talking about in the non-spoiler about how I just really loved the beginning of this, like so many horror movies tend to start the same way. We're just this random person. We're in this situation. And the thing that either we can't quite see or the adversary that is going to be coming after everybody kills somebody. And, you know, it's horrible and supposed to be that kind of exciting death to get your juices up, to get you ready to see a horror movie. And so you're saying the opening of Five Nights at Freddy. Yes. I was just took the words right out of my my mouth. That that's the way that Five Nights started, but a lot of horror movies start that way. And I'm not saying that you can't start that way or that it's an ineffective way of starting. But again, why I enjoyed this so much is because it decided to start it different. We heard the death. We didn't get to see the death. We just heard some shots ringing out and we're and we're these two people you know, that they just wake up and they're like, did you hear that? Or maybe they were asleep or maybe they were just there. I can't remember if they were asleep or not. But, you know, you hear one character go, wait, did you hear those gunshots? And then they're talking about it. And it's like, well, is that a hunter? You know, they're just doing what normal people do. They're questioning what it is um, and, and not sure. And, and, and you know, and, and, and right away we get the feeling that these are competent people. 
like the like like uh one of the characters is like, well, I heard three shots and then and then there was a pause and then it shot some more. And it was like, that's not what a hunter does. You know, there was no there's no sport to what I heard. It was just somebody shooting with the intent to kill and all this stuff. You know, they're deducing what they heard and all of this stuff. Where do you think it could be this, that? Okay, well, whatever. And so they're loading up like they're about to go out there. And then the guy says, we'll go check it at dawn. Waiting, some characters waited until daylight to go investigate what happened. Well, that's because they weren't white. (laughs) I guess so. I guess so. But... Man, that was refreshing. Some characters waited. They said, we are not going out there at night when we are gunshots because we could get shot, you know? Um, um, And even while all that was happening, it's doing this music. And even when they went out for that second and they're loading up and talking about, I was even thinking, man, is somebody about to get shot right now? One of these guys is about to get shot in the head. And why was I thinking that? Because we are so conditioned. We have watched so many of these types of things. You're almost just expecting certain things to happen because you have been seen and regurgitated the same shit so much that it plays on your, you You think you have these instincts and for this and this feelings for this and you go, Oh, somebody's about to get killed because that's what we do in the horror movie. We see uh, the first uh, the first kill. We we see it. So I'm expecting somebody to be shot. And when it didn't happen, I was like, hell yeah. It didn't do what I thought it was going to do right away. It kind of sets that tone with you. And it's like it didn't do what you thought it was going to do. And, and, you know, and I think that that little example right there also probably plays into that audience score because I think the, the the detriment of being fed the same thing over and over is you get conditioned. And then when something like this that is unique does come out, sometimes what's new and refreshing may feel uncomfortable to you because you're so used to seeing this, this kind of movie done the same kind of way. So I like this movie because I feel like it challenged me when I thought that it was going to do a certain thing. It didn't Um, when we find out. And so then these characters are talking about this curse. And so it's clear that they know something about this. They know something about this possession. And like Heather was saying, they had a term for it. Um, I'm trying to remember what the term was. Yeah, they called them. That's rotten. right. The, yeah, the, 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 yeah, they call or them the rotten. One, first, I think was another thing they said. Yes, yeah. yes. So all of that was cool that they were talking about it, and you're kind of learning these terms and wondering. At first, you're just thinking, okay, well, is a rot? What does that mean exactly? And you know, you really have to go on the journey to the of the movie. So then you're like, okay, a rotten is just a possession. But then you find out there's more to it because a person rotting like the character was, that was something different entirely. That's something growing inside of you trying to be born. So there's different kind of Mm -hmm. levels that it's establishing of this thing. So I saw it like 
this thing is attacking them in three phases. There's the manipulation of, you know, it's there's it trying to possess you and then it trying to manipulate you through the possession of other people and things like that. So there's kind of two different manipulations going on. And so I kind of like the fact that we didn't always know where the possession or the manipulation was coming from. And to me, that made things fun because even sometimes when you could tell, okay, this dog is possessed or whatever, like sometimes it was obvious. The movie wanted you to know exactly what was possessed and what was happening and stuff like that. But other times I liked that it wasn't so obvious. I like that you, you kind of had to piece together. Is this character being manipulated by something or is this character possessed? I like how it had a little bit of that in there. Is, is this character okay? Or is this character not okay? So they kind of did some back and forth with that. Um, the experts on these, uh, on, on the rotting and the possessions and stuff like that. Um, we didn't, w- w- the, one of them dies at the beginning and then the one that we're on the journey on, we learn a little bit, but we don't really learn a lot. And then that person unfortunately dies too. So I kind of like this in between of not knowing everything, but knowing enough to just drive the narrative along, along. And that's my scale. I don't need to have every question answered. I don't need to know the ins and outs of every possession and things like that, because I mean, it's possession. Who knows all the rules? Who knows the limitations of what a person, it's not like you can just read a, you know, you can watch a documentary or read a book about possession and know all the rules and the ins and outs of it. It's supernatural shit. So I think, so for me, that's not to invalidate somebody who needs all of those rules, but I just think it's more fun when sometimes you just let the movie movie. And sometimes a movie earns the right to let you do that. You know, sometimes it's okay to just let a movie movie. Not every movie earns that right, right? But sometimes it's okay to let. You know, not every person can talk to you any kind of way, but there's probably some people that can talk to you a certain way and you will let them because even though it's hard or it's harsh or it's something that you may not hear, or it doesn't always add up all the time. Maybe you respect that person. Maybe, you know, that person's coming from a genuine place. Maybe, you know, that maybe, you know, uh, you you may not like everything you hear, but you're going to let that person speak. Sometimes I just let him, I have to let a movie speak. You know what I mean? And it's okay if not everything is explained to me. I don't get all the ins and outs. I don't have every question answered. At the end of the day, it, when it's magic shit, supernatural shit, shit like that that nobody has no clue about. Now, if we're talking about the rules of a television and something happens when I'm like, hey, a TV doesn't do that. That's a little, di- that's okay. I get you that. Yes, that's an inconsistency. But when you're talking about 
magic or demonic possession and spiritual shit. Who knows all the rules to say what the rules are supposed to be. So I just kind of, so with that kind of stuff, I tend to just let the movie movie and this, it earned the right to me. I was intrigued enough. I liked what I was seeing enough. I was, I was on this ride and I just wanted the ride to finish. I didn't want the ride to stop. I just wanted to be there and experience it. And, and sometimes that's what, you know, that's the most fun way to enjoy a movie is sometimes you just got to let these things do what they do. You know what I'm saying? But again, not every movie gets that right. Only certain ones get, get, get that right when they do enough things right to earn that from you, in my opinion. So, you know, as we're going along and like, I remember y'all talking about when we did the evil dead rise that, it would have been better if y'all were talking about, I didn't necessarily agree with this, but I remember y'all saying, you know, it should have been uncompromising. It should have been able to kill one of the kids and stuff like that. And why did that little kid have to live? And y'all were like, it should have been uncompromising. That was more well, me than I think it was Heather going, the kid should have died. Yeah. She didn't flat out go, the kid should have, but I believe she did at least agree from a story standpoint that maybe it should have been more uncompromising. Well, enter when evil lurks. Man, this didn't give a damn if you were a man, woman, or a child. You know, you pretty much got fucked up here. Like, this was, you know, this movie was no joke in that way. But it was never just, like, gore porn or felt like kind of shock shit everything was still kind of happening within the narrative, but I'm not going to lie. There were some surprises. Like when that dog suddenly just (laughs) locked, you know, locked onto that little girl, onto the little daughter and is just gnawing and throwing her around like a rag doll. And there's just blood everywhere and everything like that. Not going to lie. I was like, Oh shit. You know, it got me, you know, it got me. It didn't jump scare me, but it sure was like one of those moments where I was like, okay, I didn't see that shit coming. Like we're having this and I love how they did it. We talked about like in the nun, how sometimes in order to get a scare out of you or to, to nail the right feeling out of you, a movie has to let your guard down. And then surprise you with something. And those are the most effective scares. Those can be some of the most effective moments in a horror movie. Man, some of these movies need to watch this and freaking study it. Because that was excellent to me. How they did that. You're going in and he's like, we got to get out of here. You know, this possession is coming. This whole thing is happening and we got to get out of here. And the wife's yelling at him. The 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 ex-wife is yelling at him the new husband's yelling at him and she's making some legit points like you know you're and also so it was kind of cool because like we're finding about out about all these characters and we're finding about out more about this guy and you know you left and didn't come back and you left us and i have to fend for myself and so we're finding out all these little character tidbits 
But at the same time, it's kind of this like frantic situation and there's kids running around. There's yelling and all of this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, and you're kind of focused on all of that. And then and, and and they're just giving you, you know, and then you see the dog go over there and kind of sniff the clothes that were involved with that. Um, w- with the possessed man we were trying to take care of earlier. And I just like how your guard is kind of down because of all this drama going on. And then, bam, all of a sudden that dog just attacks. And now we're on to this situation. And all of that was so crazy like that. All of that from the dog attack to the 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 husband that you know the to the husband coming back and ramming the mom and you know and the daughter and all of that stuff and then i mean all of that was just so crazy and all of this happening in like broad daylight with all of this stuff going on i just really loved all of that i loved how chaotic it was that was like, to me, one of the coolest scenes. I loved how chaotic it was. I love how my guard was down. And then I got some surprises that I really didn't see coming. Even just before the mom died and the daughter who is now back unscathed, no scars, no cuts or anything like that. So we all know, okay, this is not your daughter anymore, but I still love how they did that. Like how that was played. And she just like, Oh, my daughter's back. It's a miracle. And then the daughter's like, you're going to die. You know, I I mean, I just thought that that was really cool stuff. You know, the, you know, daddy's going to come, you know, uh, you know, um, the, the name of the stepdad, man, I wish I knew I had all the names. I, I should have collected all of that. I hate just going the guy, the man, the wife, the ex-wife. Um, I should have done more of my, more of my homework on this. So I apologize. But just when the, when, when the daughter was like the now possessed daughter was like, he's going to come back and boom, you know? And like, that's exactly how that happened. You know, he came back in that car and it was just like, bam. And so like, you're seeing, all this destruction and chaos. And I just love how the movie did that. I just love how it um, took us through all those things. And what you guys were saying about um, the, the, the son that had autism, I think what I liked about it was that, or or at least what I can say about it is that nothing, at least to me. So I'm going to be interested to hear your opinions on this. Nothing came across to me as offensive. It never like none of the, you know, it wasn't like any of the characters were like, oh, I hate that he's like this. Or it wasn't like him being having autism came into play in a way to where it felt like they were trying to say something mean about it or anything like that. And even when the possession happened, the woman was able to point out the differences and say, no, look, this is not him look how his fingers are right now this is what's happening right now this is not um a normal action or a thing like that at all and i like how once the possession took place the character was completely different he was up walking around not himself or in anything like that and that's how you knew that that character was possessed but when the character was himself I never felt like there was a character or a situation or a moment where they sort of try to 
in any way make fun of autism or say something negative about it or anything. The father seemed very accepting of him. He was like, man, he's not going to come back in here because I promised him that pop and he's not going to, you know, he's not going to act right until I uh, can keep my promise. It, it, it nothing came off as they're being, you know, facetious towards people like that or anything like that. I never caught those vibes. So I'll be interested to know if I missed something there with that. Cause I didn't catch it. If there was something there with that. Um, I mean, other than that, just to get to the end real quick, cause I kind of want to hear what you, you guys said. So uh, just a couple of things I loved about that ending, like, I'm in your camp too, Sterling. I don't think that all of these movies have to have um, a happy ending. And the funny thing is, is that, you know, if most people were honest with themselves, a lot of horror movies don't have happy endings. They just end in a funny tone way to kind of give you the illusion of happiness. But how many horror movies end with, Oh, everything's done. Okay, I'm back with my family. And then it's like, but the killer is still alive or, you know, but Freddy is still out there or, but, you know. It's the false ending, but then the, the we're going to have a sequel ending. Like it's. Exactly. The, the, that the individual characters of the movie might have a happy ending for the movie, but they give you the cliffhanger to give a sequel. Yeah. And they do that thing all the time. And really, if you really sit back and analyze that, it's not really a happy ending. We didn't kill the thing. You know, we didn't really have a resolution to this. But it feels, but they make sure it doesn't feel that way. And that's kind of the illusion of it. I like just the balls here to just say, nah, it's not going to be happy. Nah, they didn't do it, man. It didn't happen. You know, the the demon was manipulating all of these things, um, trying to be born. And in this one, the manipulations, the 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 multiple possessions, this journey we went on, the demon just happened to be successful this time. These characters just didn't make enough of the right decisions. There was just so much at stake. It was such an emotional weight. And it was so stressful, this situation and being thrusted into this and not really understanding what you're dealing with. The chances of success really are low in that situation. You know, when you're a manager and on the job and you lose and you run out of I mean, shoot, I was I was a manager at the movie theater before. And I remember the first time we ran out of popcorn. I almost didn't know what we were going to do. You know, and I didn't know what I was going to do. It was the first time I dealt with it, having to deal with all those customers, all of this kind of stuff. And it just felt like the world was ending because, you know, I didn't know what to do when we ran out of product for the first time. I could only imagine (laughs) being in this situation for the first time. And, yeah, you hear about these things and you know a little bit about possession, but to have all of these people dying in front of you, being possessed, all of this stuff, and to have this, and then you have this part, this woman who's an expert on it, a cleaner, that was what they call the kind of your exorcist kind of people were the cleaners, who is an expert on it, but can't explain everything to you. You don't understand. 
the ins and outs of these demons or what's going on. So the likelihood that in a situation where you lose that person, you are not go- you are going to make mistakes and not be able to do this just seemed like a logical place to wind up. It, it just seemed like in this case, it was just too daunting of a task and we weren't able to overcome that. And I just like that the movie ended there and there was still like some interesting visuals, like the three bullets on the table, I the three marks on his head, the, um, the fact that we basically had three survivors. Um, I'm just wondering if the bullets are the fate of those characters. Is it like, is that the way out? You know, uh, was, is, did, did the three bullets mean that those are going to eventually be the way out for these characters? Because it's too hopeless. It's too daunting. It's too like, how could they possibly live in a world where all this has happened? Or was that just sort of, just more symbolism of the three, you know, the, the, the three that ultimately survive, if you will, but, you know, but, or the three that the, the main demon manipulated in order to complete this plan. So I wonder if y'all caught anything in that, was that the three, because this was the three where the, the job was going to be complete, you know, the, the birth, the demon birth was going to be complete because of these three. Was that the three we were looking at or did that signify something else? I just found that fascinating, but there was definitely something there with that three. Um, So yeah. And and so speaking of a rewatch, maybe another reason to rewatch it. Maybe there are some more clues of the three that maybe revealed themselves in the movie on a second watch. But I just thought that was interesting because that three, that whole three thing could mean several different things, but yeah, man, like I, I really was digging this. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was just um, really cool and just very unpredictable ride from start to finish. Um, Just to dive into one of the things you talked about, at least from my point of view, why I don't like the autism character, completely the way they portrayed it is that's kind of, it's an antiquated stereotype that is used in a lot of these things or in history that even if they didn't use it the same way, it still harkens back to it. You know what I mean? Like just Mm. the, the view that anybody that is neurodivergent or, that does have mental issues or something like that is possessed by the devil or has demonic influence upon them. It's that trope that I'm kind of, at least me personally, I'm tired of seeing that in movies. You know, even when you're not completely going the, Oh, he's autistic because of the devil route or that he gets possessed because he is autistic. You know, it's like, oh, they're of weaker mind, so therefore they're easier to possess. That type of tropes, you know, those things. I'm just still tired of seeing it because of the the hateful and 
misguided and uneducated point of view that it comes from. Like, and I don't want to speak for Heather and her reasons why, but like, that's why I don't like it. Now, that's why I did want to give the movie some slight credit is that they also did kind of make it slightly a slight defense instead of a weakness in those instances. But they still kind of then had it be like, well, he's normal now. Like, it, you know, it's even though he's normal because the devil then took him over. It's still it's it's bordering and using those tropes that I I just didn't feel it was necessary to even have. I felt like you could have gone a different route with it or just omit it completely. I just don't feel like it was 100% needed in this. And that's where I come from with it. I do agree though, Jess, it's not, it's nowhere near the worst portrayal of it. You know what I mean? There has been infinitely worse ways of doing it. Looking back on it, uh, a very recent example, a recent-ish example of it that is just mind-numbingly bad to me is American Horror Story Asylum. You know, they've got the, the all these people in the asylum, and so they're like, you know, oh, you're mentally handicapped, therefore you're violent. You're disturbed in that way. It's, you know, a lot of those tropes, they kind of tie into it with, with American Horror Story Freak Show, too, because you're deformed or, you know, you have some sort of uh, d- difference-defining thing um, with and the, and the character specifically in that is Pinhead, which is something that is historically accurate. People with that birth defect or that disability are were often used in, in, in old-timey circuses and those freak show concepts. And, you know, while that's accurate, they kind of, just the way they portray it, like, it becomes a thing where there's like clickbait articles like, oh, you'll never guess that this actress is actually beautiful because she was an ugly monster in this. And it's like, well, okay. It, it's those tropes that even if they are not directly using them, it's just towing the line that I don't feel is necessary to do. If that makes sense. Okay, so are you saying, because I'm just trying to think about a specific example in the film that you could be, so are you talking about when, whenever our exorcist cleaner person first says he's possessed and then the other characters are like, no, he's not, he's just autistic. And there was sort of that back and forth. Are you saying that that back and forth uh, is playing too much. That's with that's where they were just trying to tight. They yeah, they're tight roping it. You know what I mean? Uh, okay. They don't completely go into the. No, he's not autistic. He's possessed. They you know they 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 do directly steer away from that, but they're just trying to walk that line of still having some aspects of his autism be defining characteristics of a possession. You know, like yeah, people. Oh, just real quick, the, specifically, people with autistic 
or some autistic people do have some maladies when it comes to hand def- deformation or something like that. And that's not even always autism. That could be any sort of other mental uh, disorder or mental handicap or mental birth uh, malady or something that can lead towards that. And they were like, Oh, well that's because of possession, you know? So it's that teetering where I just don't feel like that was necessary. I think it would have been better to maybe just have like a, a, another younger kid, not necessarily the same age as the other young kid, but another younger kid. And maybe just have that kind of teeter the line of why, like, you don't. I would have much rather them use that like a younger kid and teeter the line of like why we don't like why psychologists as a practice don't like try to diagnose children with certain psychopathies. I think I said that word right. Um, like say something of, uh, like true psychosis or sociopath, uh, sociopathy and stuff like that. You know, they don't want to label a child a sociopath because there is always a chance that it is something wrong mentally as a child that they can grow out of. You know, when you're a child, nothing's completely defined in some of those regards, especially behavioral disorders, because as you grow older, your brain actually might correct some things, you know, or can change some things about you. That's why they don't want to label kids that. And so I would have much rather had like a young kid that's teetering that line of maybe doing things that they're like, Oh, that's some fucked up shit. And then be like, oh, no, we took him to a doctor. It's fine. You know what I mean? Like teeter that line. That is something that is actually could go either way instead of the stereotypical line that has been used in the past to the detriment of so many people. And part of it also Mm -hmm. could be my wariness in general. Anytime that character is in these movies. So maybe the whenever they go, oh, hey, autistic kids in this movie. Some of that could be my own. Like walls that go up when that happens because. Of how poorly it's been done so many times, you know what I mean? Like you already like you sense it and it's just like you kind of get like that. Pre wary of it. And then that contained essentially everything you see after that when it comes to that. It just, you know, makes you kind of, I I don't want to say nervous, but like just, it puts you on edge. And then when you're watching it in that instance, it kind of just, you know, since you've already kind of been tainted, it kind of makes you like feel that the whole time, if any of that makes sense. Okay. Well, now at least I understand a little bit, but of where you're coming from, because yeah, I was just trying to like, think about the movie and see if there was something I missed. But now that makes um, uh, a a little more sense. And I could see how maybe that back and forth, whenever she, whenever she was like, he is possessed and they were like, no, he's autistic. I could see how that could be a little troubling, but like you said, 
when we got to the explanation of why she said that and how it was taking longer for the possession to happen because of his brain and all of that kind of stuff. And this is why I knew he was possessed and you guys didn't. I guess I bought that enough to go, oh, okay. And, but 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 I guess I see what you're saying. Maybe that back and forth of her going, he's possessed, and these people on this side going, no, he's just autistic. I guess I could see how, from your perspective, that could, even though the film never directly said that or implied that or anything, how still that's in the ballpark of what people do. The confusion between a condition and being possessed is still kind of there, I, I guess. Yeah, in a way. Okay. What about you, Heather? I mean, I think with that too, it it is almost sort of like that. It felt to me like they were intentionally wanting you to be wary of the character because he was autistic. Like it, it almost gave that tone of like, we know we're not going to go that route with it, but we want you to think that we might. So I guess that whole line towing thing is what it felt like. It just, it, it it felt like they wanted you to assume that. And I don't, I guess maybe that's why I feel like I'm conflicted with how they handled it because I'm like, I, I don't necessarily, you know, it, instead of it being the trope of we're making this autistic character be possessed, they went the route of, you know, we know that that's what people think we're going to do, but we're going to do the opposite. Like, I, I think for the most part, how they handled it, I agree. I think that they they did it way better than a lot of other things that you've seen. But it was just the fact that, you know, when you sometimes put a certain character in there because you want to throw people off intentionally. And I feel like it, it kind of just felt like part of the reason that they put him in in the movie or put that character in the movie is because they wanted to intentionally throw you off knowing that your mind was going to go there. And I don't really necessarily care that they wanted you to go there, (laughs) if that makes sense. But, but I also feel like at one point and I'm, I don't fully remember when it was, but the lady, the, um, the older lady that kind of knew stuff, I forgot what she was called, but, um, she, the cleaner. Yeah. Um, I want to say that she at some point used the term broken um, to describe him or somebody used the the word, the term broken. And I just don't, I guess maybe it was that terminology that I just didn't really care for how they said it, you know, um, the language that they used around that. But I do like that. Again, it was, it, I agree with the assessment of, they said, Oh, the demons actually like, they just don't know how to assess his mind because of this. And I did like that aspect. I did like that. They did that part with it, but I, I, I think it was also the, like, yeah, it, it was more just the setup of, they wanted to intentionally make you feel like a certain way about the character before they tell you what the character is, if that makes sense. And then um, also the idea that when he, and I don't really even fully know, like, why it was that the demon was able to finally, I guess, get into his mind. If it was just, it had untied the knot enough to be able to get in at that point. But, um, it was just, it it was kind of a little bit weird that it was like the demon got in. And so he was 
in a sense, acting normal in a way. You know what I mean? Like it made it seem like, oh, he was completely fine when he was possessed by the demon. And I just felt like that was kind of a weird, it was just a weird way to portray it. I don't know if that makes sense. It's it's hard to explain what I mean, but just like the way that they made it like, oh, when he was possessed, he was talking normal and didn't seem to have his neurodivergency when he was possessed by the demon. And I thought that was a weird choice, I guess, to make him just completely fine, if you will, for lack of a better word, when he was possessed, you know? So yeah, it was just kind of, again, and that's why I say I'm like, I'm, I'm, iffy and I'm not completely sure how I feel because some aspects that they did I did appreciate and like but other aspects I was kind of like eh. yeah and I guess sort of like what Sterling said about why toe the line at all you know because again you feel like you know as like the people making the movie knew as an audience that immediately he was going to be suspected to have like something that you needed to look out for about him because of this, you know? And I feel like it was just an intentional choice that they made that they didn't really need to do. You know, he could have just been a quiet kid that just didn't talk much or it, it, again, it could have been a small child that it could have just been all these other options. So I guess I'm just curious why they made it to be that choice, but that's really for that piece of it. That was, that was really my only why I was kind of iffy on it, I guess. I mean, with, with that, to me, it's like, you know, if you look at like a nineties action film, it's like 90% of all nineties action films has somebody that's Arab. That's like a terrorist villain. And it's like, so at like a certain point, it's, it's not to say that it's disingenuous to have somebody that is Arab that can play a villain. Cause there can be any number of motivations as to why somebody is a villain in a movie it doesn't have to be that, Oh, they're just a terrorist and they hate America. Therefore the villain, they can, you can have so many motivations, but at a certain point, you can also just have them be someone else. You don't always have to have it being an Arab doing these things. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's that kind of thing. It's, you know, why, why always toe that line, even if you're going to change it when you could also just not do that and still do it in a different way. If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I, I get it. Um, no, I, my bad. I was I just trying to clarify a response. No, yeah. No, I got you. No, you so. just looked like you were going to say something. So I was like, Oh, let me wait for Justin. What he's going to say. Um, I mean, and I, I do get what you're saying, Justin, about, some of the confusion with some of the things like it could be that they're like their understanding of it was wrong. Like, you know, they have the rules. So maybe their rules are wrong when it comes to something of a supernatural nature. I do understand what you're saying with that. And I don't necessarily disagree with you. I just, I think where it got tough for me is how much time they spent in the movie mentioning the rules. You know what I mean? They like, it, they constantly kept bringing up the rules and what's what, and all of these things so much that at that point, I'm not, 
I don't necessarily feel like I should put in the effort in my own mind to say, well, they're just bringing up the rules, but it, it doesn't mean they are the rules. With the amount of time they said it, I'm like, at a, at a certain point, I'm just going to say, well, look, you're, you, you've told me too many times that these are your rules to what this is. You, you know, for a big chunk of the middle of the movie, it's almost like every four minutes they're mentioning a rule. And if you're dedicating that much time to what the rules are, I'm going to stop separating it and going, well, it's supernatural. It doesn't need that, or it might not apply now and all these other things. No, you just spent too much of your movie saying that's what it is. Therefore, I'm going to accept that at this point. I'm relinquishing, you know, the part of my brain that's saying, well, it's supernatural. It might not be the case because you've just told me what it is so many times. And now I'm going to hold you to that standard, you know? Uh, And I think that that's where I had my issues when they just kept kind of like having people that were possessed, but according to the rules of the movie, they're not actually possessed, but they're influenced, but they're, they're doing the things that they said only possessed people can do. And that got messy. That got a little convoluted. And to me, it almost felt to me like it's because there were scenes in the movie that they might have filmed or they might have written that maybe had that stuff be more clear that might have gotten edited out. Or if it was just written, they might not have filmed it for timing or whatever reasons. You know what I mean? Like it felt like it might have just lost some stuff in that. That maybe it was just missing due to editing more so than it was just they didn't do it right. But personally, like I said, I I have the hardest time of separating the rules you establish from what you always end up showing me. I'll I'll latch on to every single time you tell me there are rules. Like my mind is going to go, that's it. That's the rule. Like you told me it, that's it. I'm staying with it. And so if you're, if you're changing for the sake of supernaturalness, I understand that logic, but this movie more so than most literally kept telling me these are the rules. Like it wasn't even that I'm implying the rules based on what they're showing me. They're having conversations going, this is rule one. This is rule two. Like, you know, that's where my brain is going to have an even harder time separating it. When you literally have a scene that is just listing the rules that I'm supposed to perceive about this universe, even if it is from a flawed source, if that makes sense. That's where in my head, I have the hardest time even separating it further. Okay. And I guess my point more or less was not that, like I saw the inconsistencies and I forgave them. I guess my bigger point was, is that with some of these things, they can't just be narrowed down. Like if the, like for instance, the demon can play on your fears and manipulate you. Well, that could be a ton of things, you know, the, you may not, that, that could be 
that's a multitude of things and that's very mental. So even if this person is not possessed, but the demon is playing on the mental fears that it has of the situation or losing a family member or something like this. So this character makes a mistake or, or something like that, or does something out of fear that's being manipulated by this demon. I wouldn't necessarily call that an inconsistency because I didn't know that the character was possessed or not. You know, it it could be one or the other, either the the demon can manipulate you. They, uh, to me, they establish that you don't always have to be possessed to be manipulated by the demon. So what specifically are you talking about where you felt like, okay, this is something that they said could happen, but then it didn't happen in your opinion. I'm just having trouble kind of remembering any specific example where something happened that they said couldn't happen because they, to me, they established that whether you're possessed or not, you can be manipulated by this thing. And we saw that play out with our main character. He got manipulated at the end and he wasn't possessed, but that manipulation led to our cleaner character being killed. So. No, so the manipulation aspects, I get what you're saying because that's just what's happening to the person. Uh, like what, what causes some of their actions, but more specifically, I think it'd be like, uh, so earlier in the movie, they were like, Oh, this person's possessed. And they go, well, did that person die? And they go, no. And then they go, well, then they're not possessed. This other person's not actually possessed then because, for them to be possessed, the demon would have to have been let out via the death of the rotten person. Like they, they literally said somebody earlier in the movie was not possessed. And I want to say they were talking about the little girl. I think, I think it was the little girl when she came back, they were saying she wasn't possessed. It was either the little girl or the, or, or the, maybe or the, the school stepdad. girl. No, the the daughter. Oh, the daughter. Okay, yeah. The the daughter character. It was either the daughter character or the stepdad. They were saying that they were possessed, but then they were like, no, they can't be because the, the, the rotten person didn't die, therefore the demon wasn't born. So that's why the other person was rotten and they were just kind of influenced by the devil, like the demon. They were like supernaturally influenced, not even manipulated. They were like under control of a demon, but they weren't possessed. But then certain things that the mother character was doing was that of what they were saying the possessed characters would do. But they, like I said, specifically said that they weren't possessed yet because the demon wasn't born or whatever. That's where I get kind of iffy with it. You know? Okay. I see what you're saying. And you didn't, you didn't interpret that there were several things. Okay. So you have the one demon in the, the, the rotten, rotten yeah. person that, yeah. that is trying to be born. Yes. But that in order for that to happen, he needed to be killed. Right. Yes. That was the whole point was the sin of death needed to occur. He needed to be killed 
in order for that to happen, right? So that was one demon. But then there are all these other things that are happening, right? Um, in order to manipulate so that we could have this demon birth. And another way that the possession worked was if you killed something that was possessed, right? So that's why when husband killed dog, he became possessed. Yes. But no, there was a specific line to that. You were absolutely right because you reminded me of it. So when they killed the dog with the gun, and then they're like, oh, he's possessed now. The cleaner specifically then states later in the movie, no, the dad wasn't possessed because the other guy hadn't died. So the, the Uriel hadn't died. So the dog was just influenced by evil. And the influence was spreading via the gunshot deaths. That was the influence part that was spreading. But then they treat the mom later in the movie like she's possessed. and Because I, I get exactly what you're saying because that is a key part to it. And they separate it out. But also the key symptom in the this universe that you are possessed, legitimately possessed, is the whole aspect of rotting. You know, that is the whole thing of being possessed. Because in this universe, what they most heavily implied that possession isn't technically like a spiritual possession for lack of a better phrase. It is a physical possession that results in the demon being birthed into the world. So then also then why wasn't the autistic son when he was possessed later in the movie, why wasn't he becoming a run? Because that's that's what they stipulate it would do. And so that's where I'm kind of getting like, like I said, it's a, it, it's too fuzzy in those regards. Like I, I, I can see some of the threads and stuff like that, but they played a little too fast and loose with the consistency of it. And now some of it, to be fair, actually could just be translation issues. Maybe what they're saying in Spanish actually could have lined out, but lined up better. And the local translation that we're using via the subtitles might have messed that up. That is an actual chance of what happened. You know, like they could have just used the word possessed in one instance when that might not have been what it was in Spanish. You know what I mean? In Spanish, they didn't say, well, they're possessed now. And it, it could have been a different word in the translation got fucked. Because that does happen a lot in stuff like this. That's so that okay. could be an issue. With but it. I just, I don't know. I just feel like I interpreted it a completely different way. Like, well, from what I saw, the point was uh, multiple things can be possessed. To me, if you broke any of those rules you could potentially be possessed or influenced. That's how I interpreted it. There were all these rules. Don't get near the stuff. Don't kill one of them. Don't, it can play on your fear. You know, there were all these rules that you could potentially break. And that's how you're able to be controlled. But the rotten, the principal point of that 
was that there was a demon in there that was trying to be born. So you are only going to rot if there is a demon spawn seed in there that is trying to be born and come into the world and stuff like that. That's how I took it was that that was the main objective that the demon was trying to accomplish was being born from the sin of killing whoever this host was and being able to sprout from the host body that it took. But all of the other things that were happening were manipulations and possessions as a result of doing things like if you touch something, like if you touch something or come into contact with something near this demon, that could that possession could happen to you. If you kill something that then has that influence on it, that can take control of you. I think so I just interpreted it a different way. What I, I thought the main objective was to be born from this from the the host, which that is the rotting thing. That that's like the worst thing. But there are all these other rules you can break and things that can happen where these demons can control you. And I thought that's what we were saying. You know well, what I'm saying? And you've got me thinking that in a weird way, we're both right. That maybe the word possession is the word specifically that might have a translation issue and why whenever they used it multiple times, they meant it in different ways that maybe in the Spanish language aspect of it, it meant two different things. It's kind of like how the, I mean, the word possession itself could mean like, Oh, I possess my phone versus like you can be possessed by a demon. Therefore, you know, it's just all within the context of it all. And maybe the context aspect of it that changes what the word means versus like a physical or spiritual possession maybe got technically lost. And so they just kept saying possession. Whereas what's implied in a possession movie kind of changes that, you know, where a possession movie typically always implies that possession means like the spiritual possession where this movie adds the fact that you can have that truly physical possession of a demon is being birthed inside you also. And by like a lack of a better translation in the subtitles, they just say possession and it's more subtle than that, where there is like the truly just spiritual possession that people have in the movie. And then you have the rotten, which is that super extra version of possession where a demon is truly there to be birthed and they Mm -hmm. kind of, and come into the physical world with their physical being in the world. Yes. Where the other one is like you said, is a spiritual is the traditional, which is why you have to follow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is why you have to follow all those rules. Otherwise it could spiritually take you over. And that does track better for what the movie was doing. Mm-hmm. I might have to, me, to like, watch this. Yeah. Cause to me, like that goal of being birthed from a person, 
that to me felt like, so your physical being and body, now he can walk the earth. Now just whatever he wants to do, like now he has a physical form and can walk the earth. So that felt like something completely different from than from just the spiritual possession stuff that we see, like what we see in The Exorcist or kind of what we saw in this movie when the dog got spiritually possessed, the, the, the son got spiritually possessed, you know, so there were people, but, but you're right in that there's that spiritual possession. And then there were people being influenced. They're not possessed, but they were being influenced. Like the kid at the end, when he said, this voice in my head told me to kill that cleaner that was coming to help Uriel, whatever he wasn't possessed. He was influenced, but we saw possessions from people who were breaking the rules. Hence the dog coming into contact with demon body with rotting, rotten stuff. The, the husband shooting the dog, then the, uh, the, the husband killing the wife and all of that kind of stuff. That was more spiritual shit that was happening, but we were trying to get a physical body on the earth was the objective. Well, and I think the line, like I said, I think it specifically ties to the line when they say the dog wasn't possessed or because I think the, the physical possession, like whenever they're, they're rotten, that's where the physical touch aspect of it all becomes like a contagious disease where you can maybe Mm. become spiritually possessed because you physically touch the rotten, mm-hmm. whereas the rotten. you can't get spiritually possessed just because you touch a spiritually possessed person. Now, but you could get spiritually possessed by killing a possessed person with a, a firearm because they specifically were saying like with a firearm, you know, mm-hmm. in those instances. So maybe it's that duality of it that got lost in translation a little bit. And because of like I said, I have those weird adherence to rules because they said the word possession in that specific instance. That's what you went with. Yes. That got yeah. locked yeah. into my brain. Whereas gotcha. they just meant the physical demon birthing possession, not the spiritual possession. Contextually, it got lost because, like I said, yeah. my brain will lock onto you said rule. That's rule. And like you I said lock. possession. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, gotcha. I guess my question is the rules that they put in place for, you know, how to survive this and everything. Is that the rules for any form of this or is it for a specific form of this? See that they were a slightly unclear about, but I think some of the things. So like when they say like, don't use electric lights. Right. I think that that isn't, isn't to say like, oh, you're going to get possessed if you use electric lights. More to the degree of if there are possessed people around you, whether it's spiritual or physical, and you're using electric lights, you're inviting them to like come fuck with you. Like you're, you're, you're drawing them to you at that point. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you're putting out a beacon like, hey come here yeah or like so it almost feels like it might be like just an all-encompassing too because if you think about like i think it was the last rule was don't be afraid of dying and like i feel like that would adhere more to 
the spiritual sense of possession, right? So maybe it's just an all encompassing for to survive any form of what happens. Any of these rules, just follow them all. Basically. It's like, just follow all the rules because if one of them is around you, it means multiple ones are around you. Like the spiritually possessed people aren't going to be running around rampant. If there's not also a rotten somewhere like that is kind of the key point to it is that a rotten True. is there. There's somewhere there's Gotta a rotten. There. Yep. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the other things start happening around it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch this again, aren't I? Yeah, I probably need to as well. Yeah, I think I think I during while Shoot, I might need to too. <laughs> whilst, Shoot, you, know, whilst, you got me thinking, did I fully understand? Because <laughs> I think my issue is, is whilst watching it, if my brain latches onto something, I'm not going to unlatch during the movie. You know what I mean? But after mm-hmm. talking it out, it has kind of unlatched a little bit. But now I need to see the scenes that took place after my brain latched the first time to experience it. those to see how that influences mm-hmm. how I feel seeing those scenes without that rule attached. Because, yeah, like, because that's, yeah. that's part of the problem with how it works with me is that once it latches onto something, what I'm viewing is, I, I don't want to say tainted, but it's influenced by what's, you know, like, because that's how I perceive it at that point. So now I need to perceive it after, fuck, I am going to have to watch this again. <sighs> Thanks, Justin. I had just another movie All to right. my list of shit I got to watch. <laughs> I wasn't even really like trying to counter you. I was just really trying to understand you or just at least understand how you, how your interpretation differ from mine. And now I'm like, damn, do I need to watch it again? Did I miss something that maybe he caught? So I will yeah. say that that's kind of a testament to a good movie is the fact that it does make you think like this, you know, like, you know, and all these things. I One thing I want to touch on real quick, and then I'll let you go as long as you want, Heather. I want to talk about the beginning of this movie like you did, Justin. Just to more or less say, I really agree with you. The beginning of this movie is like engrossing. Like, because of that refreshing change of it's not the, oh, you just see the cleaner walking in the field and all of a sudden he's cut in half, shooting a gun in the darkness and cut in half. Because that's what every other horror movie would have done. Like we said, Fast Night at Freddy's did that, you know, and like you said, Justin, to be fair to Five Nights, I said Fast Nights, Five Nights at Freddy, uh, to be fair to that movie, all of them do that. Like 90% of fucking movies like this do that shit. Um I mean, fuck, uh, the nun too did it. They're all yep. nunning around, nunning around, all of a sudden, bam, priest in flames. I We like, talk to me, talk to me did it, you know, we yeah. start off, we're in the, we're in the room or whatever. And then, you know, I'm stabbing somebody. So yeah, you know, a lot of movies, good and bad ones are guilty of that. You know, they do it. Yeah. And so it's, it's not the worst thing when a movie does it but it's really noticeable when they don't when, especially when they hint that they could have, 
they literally say, hey, the scene you were expecting to see at the beginning of this movie is happening about a quarter of a mile down the road. And we hear it. We're aware that that scene is happening. You're just not going to see it. I, I I dug that too. And also, Justin, I, I, like you said, I appreciate it that they're like, nah, it's dark outside. Let's go tomorrow. You know, that's a really fucking cool idea. Like it's, it's something you don't have in horror movies. Like it's almost sad that it's like so great. It's almost sad, but it's just like, what was that commercial that came out? When you're in a horror movie, you make terrible decisions. I forget. Was it a, it sounds like a commercial Geico. Maybe I think it was Geico. Yeah. When you're in a horror movie, you make terrible decisions. And we're all like applauding that a good decision was made because it just doesn't happen, you know? Well, because of, of, of what it implies. If you hear something directly outside of your house, I'm more understanding of you wanting to go outside because you are in more immediate danger. Like you need to identify what's going on. You hear some shit happening down the road. Now, I'll figure that out tomorrow unless I hear it outside my door now. Like, I heard some shit down the road. If in 30 minutes I'm hearing that same shit in my front yard, I'll worry about that, you know, in 30 minutes when it's there. Down the road, that's tomorrow's problem. That's something tonight Sterling doesn't have to deal with. I'll wake up bright and early. I'll get some donuts. I'll get some coffee. And then I'll find out what the fuck happened down the road. Especially when you're dealing with gunshots, man. Like, you can't see the target. Like, maybe the target can see you. You just don't know. It's too many variables, man. Yeah. It's too many. I don't like, like, don't get me wrong. I don't like hearing gunshots down the road. I live in Joliet. We hear those. I don't like it. But you know what I'm not doing? Running down the street to find out what happened, where the gunshots were. In the middle of the night. I'm not like, hey, let me run down this dark neighborhood because there's gunshots somewhere. Let me see if I can find them. Now, if if there's gunshots happening outside my house, yeah, I'm going to duck down or something like that, but I'm still going to like peer out. Like, you know what I mean? You want to assess to see if you're in danger at that moment. That I get that I need to assess the immediate danger I'm in. Gunshots three streets down the road. I'm not in danger at that moment. I'm not going to go put myself in danger. About, about three months ago, a house around the corner for me got lit up with 26 gunshots. You know what I didn't do? Damn. Go look at that house. Now, when I finally went outside was about an hour later when there are just cops and people walking up and down my street. You know what I mean? At that point, I'm like, okay, let me assess. Because, you know, like there are cops like walking down the road, like down my street, shining their flashlight into my car and shit. I'm going to go. Okay. I'm going to go outside at that point and go, Hey, what the fuck are you looking at my car for? You know, 
But I didn't, I didn't go down the street. I didn't go around the corner. I stayed where I was. I went no further than my front porch. You know, so I, 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 I do, I, I did really, I, I like that. And I liked the mystery of it all. They're just walking. They're like, Hey, I think they were over here. Oh fuck. Here's half a body. What the fuck happened? I guess let's go over here and talk to these people to see if they know why there's a half a body. I dug all that. I liked that. And to comment on what Heather's score was, that was a very cool scene when he's just like, look at this goat doing demon goat shit, which honestly, I thought it was just acting like a goat. Maybe I'm not around goats enough to know what a demon goat does, but I thought it was just goating. And then whenever he shot that, and then she went, I told you not to, and then just axed him in the side of the head, and then just kneeled down and started axing her own face. My God. It was absolutely nuts. That was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's the thing. I'm just kind of like, if you even had the nerve to hit yourself once with an axe and she just kept going, like, how do you keep doing that to yourself when you're about to die? Like, it was just wild. It was wild. And I kind of dug that, that that was slightly realistic, that if you're axing yourself in the head, you might not have the ability to do a one shot kill axing yourself. Because your own mind is going to fight you with it. Yeah. And, and she was slowing down like with each one. Yeah. As a she started bit. dying. Yeah. yeah. But I liked even then that Ugh, the first creepy. the first shot she did to her own head was not as hard as it was on her husband. Because it would be yeah. infinitely harder to hit yourself in the face with an axe than it is to hit someone else. Just that yeah. whole self-preservation yeah. thing will kick in a little bit in those instances. Yeah. You know. And I think that's why it was so disturbing because it was a little bit realistic in that way. But it's just like, yeah, you slowly see her like slowing down because she's dying. Like it was just really like unnerving. Yeah. All right. I, I lied. I've got one more thing to say before you, Heather. And it's it, it goes. It's the flip side. It's the very end of the movie. It's the other thing I want to talk about. I really dug the ending of this movie because I liked how it kind of peaked at the, the cleaner getting murdered by the kids and then him just going, fuck all this. And he beating Uriel to death and all of those things. And then it just devolves into, well, this demon's born. We's just fucked now. <laughs> and then they just go home to find that their mother was eaten by his son because it's, you know, more fucked shit like a it's I, I liked how it climaxed at that to then just devolve into utter hopelessness of it is fucked now. I loved that. I yeah. loved how and you understand it was like why that demon didn't kill him. Because he was just part of the plan. And now you get to see all of the disdain you could, you've caused. You know, it was almost like he could have, that demon was born and everything. He could have killed them, 
but he just left him alive, man. He well, just walked on because he knew it was over for all of them. And it just. It's not even that they, he just let him live. It was more of a, you don't even fucking matter enough now for me to kill you. Like, <laughs> me what are you going to do? I am a fucking demon. You are a guy that I fucking had wrapped around my pinky and you did exactly mm. what I wanted to do. You are nothing to me now. You were a tool yeah. and now you're nothing. And that's why he got the mark because he was a tool. Yeah. I like what you said there. That helps me with my translation of what happened at the end. Maybe that was the three. They were all tools in some sort of way to make this happen. The little kid, him, the brother, they were the three, the the three horsemen, so to speak. <laughs> you know, yeah. they were the 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 tools. Exactly. And like, and that's, and I, yeah. I really dug that because you, you could see the act in what, what, back to what both of you guys said, acting is great in this movie. Cause you can see that shift on that guy's head of that. Fuck. I did this. And then just that, that little bit of hurt on his face of that demon, just walking by him, putting his, the three on him and just walking away. Like, you're nothing like the merciful thing would have been to kill you. This demon went, nah, you don't even get that. You now get to live the rest of your meaningless existence. Seeing what you caused. Then to go home to also find out on top of all of that, his mother was eaten by his son. To just add insult to injury. Oh, yeah. Your son is also now possessed by a demon. Like, this cycle is still going to go further. It's just going to get worse. Even if you thought you were just going to live out your existence at that place and just the world is going to burn around you and you're just going to live the rest of your existence in isolation. No, no, no. It is in your house now too. I really dug that. That's just such a, a great ending to something like this. Just the utter abandonment of hope. Like say what you will about Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead remake. People love or hate fast zombies, all of those things. The ending of that movie is so underrated because like they make it to that boat and they're driving away and then the credits happen and Johnny Cash is playing and you're like, all right, movie's over. And then you get that scene of they land on that island and they're like, man, all right, we'll just live here away from these zombies. And then just horde of zombies on that island just shows and wrecks them. So all that movie happens and they still go to where their, their isolation paradise was going to be. And they get murdered by the same shit they thought they escaped from. It's a just abandonment of hope. It's just bleak, terrible bullshit. And I fucking love that ending of that movie. Cause it's like, it's a zombie apocalypse. Like, Oh, you think you're safe on an Island? Nah, apocalypse is here too, motherfucker. Cause it's an apocalypse. Like, 
Apocalypses just don't affect the city you're in. Apocalypses affect all this shit. You can't escape it. No matter what plans you have. I dug the fuck out of that. And it's the same in this. Like, And, and this is a better version of it too. Because it's like literally like birthing of demons and shit. But it's just... Nah. It don't matter where you go. You're never going to get away from this again. This is your new reality. Think nobody but yourself. All right, Heather, I promise I'm done now. Yeah, I mean, there's not really a whole lot left to dissect from this, but like it, I mean, I guess to kind of speak a little bit more on that ending too, I do, I guess in a sense, I do like how tragically or beautifully tragic it was because it does fit with the context in the everything going on in the movie. So it it makes sense for that to be the ending. And then, you kind of think too, like this long extended like scene where it's backing away and you're just seeing him like crying out and just complete despair. And like, it is that abandonment of hope thing, you know, because it, it just kind of feels like, you know, y- you feel like these people are like, nothing's ever going to get better basically. And I also think that like, you thinking about our, our main character, Pedro and like, just probably thinking about just the conflict in general with his son, because wasn't the whole thing before of he tried to kill his son at one point, And that's why the wife divorced him. It was either that or they, they allude also that someone died doing something. Mm-hmm. They yeah. allude to a few different things with his past. They never truly go into specifically what happened. Yeah. I do know at one point he wanted to get rid of the son, whether or not. Right. It was before he was born or what? I thought it was something to do with like, try to um, like take off like the machine or something like something that was helping him survive. He was trying to like um, break it or something. I don't remember specifics, but I think that that was, yeah, Yeah. I think you're right. That's what it was. Yeah. And so that's kind of like, you think about how that was something that he initially thought to do with his son and then obviously grew to love him and accept him and all of these things. But then the ending to be so messed up that it's like, like in his mind, you probably have to be thinking he's probably like, should I have just done what I wanted to do to avoid this whole thing in the first place versus also I just lost my mom versus also do I have to kill my son for real now versus like, what are all these things going on through his mind or do I let my son kill me and everybody else because I deserve this? Or like, there's probably so many thoughts going on in his mind in that moment when he's just crying out in despair, you know? And there's something interesting about that too, where you're just like, what are all the thoughts in his head? Because they're probably all the thoughts in my head too. (laughs) It's probably exactly how I would be responding in that situation if it was me. So I do think that that part of the ending was I, I, I do like how they did that. And it, it made complete sense for everything else they did in this movie. Um, I will say I was almost 100% sure that the brother was going to die. I don't know why, but there was just something about his character where I was like, he is the guy that's going to die in this movie. If nobody else dies, it's going to be him. They, but, they, no, they did that. He felt like the character that would die. Yeah. 
he did. And so I was, I, the entire time I was just yeah. waiting, like, when is this going to happen? And I thought it was going to happen when he like runs over the, the wife and the son, you know, and like, she was still on the car. I thought at that point he was about to die. And I was, I was just so sure he was, he was done for, but he lived, he survived. So that was a surprise for me. Um, but yeah, I do. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm trying to think if there was anything else in this movie that, um, I mean, I think I also kind of like the idea that they played with, with the children that were in the building, just kind of there at night all the time. <laughs> like that was really kind of creepy and haunting to be like, they're just chilling. They're just chilling like in a classroom at all times of the day, apparently, because it was straight up nighttime and they were just all sitting there like they were in the middle of class and it was creepy, but it worked well. But I also like the idea that, um, you know, the the cleanser lady was saying, oh, they're lying to you. Like what she's saying is not true. She's trying to lead you in the wrong direction purposefully and things like that. And I liked that aspect too because when you think about evil and you think about demons and how they're going to try to manipulate and get into your mind and so these children whether influenced or infected or possessed or whatever they were were feeding into that as well of like we're we're helping this evil (laughs) whatever it may be wherever it is we're helping spread that by even trying to manipulate you and lie to you intentionally. And so I, I I like that they kind of brought that up in part of the story of don't believe her. She's lying to you. You know, all of that. I thought that was really well done as well. Um, definitely knew the cleanser lady was going to die. She was too helpful to not <laughs> like that was just going to happen. She was the only one who could give any sort of help to this. So of course she, she had to die. Like it just had to happen. But yeah, I don't know. I think, um, again, the acting was, was really good across the board here. And, but yeah, um, that was really, yeah, I think everything else has pretty much been covered, but that was just sort of a couple of things I wanted to sort of add additional information to. And one more thing too, that I had actually was that I was reading on is the director of this film was saying that in this possession movie, it's, it's one that doesn't involve specifically a religion, right. Or any sort of like, you got to exercise the demon or anything like that. And he said that it was more of like a, that kind of made it gives it room to kind of have these characters deal with the possession and the demons in a more free way that they see fit kind of thing, which I think was really interesting. That's an interesting concept because when you think of possession of a demon, like you immediately go to something spiritual or religious, right? Because that's just sort of where that, you know, comes from. So it is interesting to feel like this is just a world where that happens regardless. And I did think that that was an interesting choice and really creative. So. Well, one thing you did remind me of Heather is my favorite line in this movie, which is when she says children are drawn to evil and evil is drawn to children. And I'm like, yes, that makes sense. 
all children are evil. That's 100% I've accurate. Ne- I've never agreed with anything more in my life. <laughs> but, Damn. But I, 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 liked, I liked the way they did that, though. Like you were saying, Heather, like, oh, these children are just so easily influenced by the evil that, like, they're just sitting at school waiting for the evil to tell them what to do. And that, you know, then, like, they go and do all that, and then it's like, oh, I'm going to go lie to this guy now. And I liked that they even showed, like, the, the, the inclination of most people would have, like, oh, I'm going to believe a child. You know, the innocence of the child, even when you know they're like possessed, you're like, oh, when a child comes and goes, no, they were lying. It's actually this. You're like, oh, well, this child's then telling me the truth. And she's like, no, they're all lying little shits. And she's like, no, I'm not. And she was. She was lying little shit the whole time. And then she was doing that creepy little kid demon smile. Never trust a child. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Uh, all I'm saying is if I was in this situation, I wouldn't have gotten fucked up and I would have done the right things and that devil would be dead. Because I wouldn't have been listening to no kids. That should be another rule specifically that they give. Don't <laughs> trust children. <laughs> Don't trust kids. No, fuck that. It'd be fuck them kids. There you go. It's a good moral lesson. I like DTK. Teaches. I like DTK. Don't trust kids. DTK, baby. You guys got any more thoughts on this? No. No. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Check us out on Facebook at Cinema Slayers podcast, uh, Instagram and threads where we're cinema underscore slayers at Cinema Slayers pod on TikTok at Cinema Slayers pod on YouTube. Uh, give us a five-star rating review. We'd really appreciate it. Really help us out. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your family's friends and tell your Friends, families, most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because dear sweet mothers love Matthew Lillard or Chuck E. Cheese. Okay. Yeah. Because that's what inspired the whole Freddy thing. Got it. Yeah. It took me a minute and I was like, okay, yeah, that that's the connection. <laughs> uh, just remember here at the Simmons podcast, we were both pro select pro Sydney and pro naked. You are Knuff. And as I always in these pod or before that shout out to plug me, go Mundo Cho for our theme song and logos respectively. As I always in these podcasts, these TikToks and these YouTube videos. Remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. You. And I would have got all the way to the end. All right. That kid would have been yeah. like, why don't you just send him a slayer? his Burger King. And I'd have been like, <laughs> she would have been like, no, Justin. All I, all you have to do is wait five seconds and I'll have you. And I'll exercise the demon. Don't eat the BK. And I would just go. Oh. My bad. And that would be it. <laughs> the funny Whoops. thing is, Justin, is that's a lie. <laughs> Because you wouldn't actually eat the Burger King because you don't eat Burger King. That's what you, you would be like. Safe. You'd you don't be hella safe. Eat it. I don't eat it. 
I hate y'all. Whatever. I'm just saying, you you wouldn't be the the BK. Now, if they put naked tenders, I'd believe you. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I go for the tender. Yeah, because she would have been like, just wait, Justin, and you would already have all the tenders shoved in your mouth. What? what are you like? Well, you didn't even have to tell me. I was going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. What? What'd you say? She's like, birth. Justin, if you do this, there's naked <laughs> and you just snatch them and eat them all. She didn't even finish saying what the deal Done is. Deal. You just eat all the tenders. She'd be like, well, shit. And the demon would go, I'm alive. You know, whatever. I don't know how. That's the thing, Justin. My version is you would out. just so quickly right. snatch the tenders out. That you wouldn't have to leave the room, so the cleaner would probably still be alive. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. What's plan B? Man, I need some naked tenders tomorrow. Let's go. Like the the only way they could get you is if they were like the naked tenders are in the other room. If they had the naked tenders there to try to distract you, you'd eat them too quickly. You're right. Let's kill. Wait, where'd they go? be too fast i'd be already in and out of the room be like oh that was a trap <sighs> too bad for y'all i'm sorry all right i'm out